Headphones. I have got my headphones on. This is the magic of Maria's technology. It's me, Maria McCurlane. How lovely to see your gorgeous face. Have you gained weight since I last spoke to you? You can't say things like that. And that is my friend over there on the Zoom call, Paddy O'Connell. Hello. Look at you, you old porker. I was joking. How are you finding it? Are you going over the edge? Are you plummeting over the edge? Dear Lord, it's going to be hard to get over that, especially considering we've got a serious subject on this podcast today. Oh. Dolly, where's the little animal, Dolly? Where's it? Where's she gone? Oh, God. Bob, what's that noise? Bob, what's that? Where's Wolfers? <laughs> It's a lovely, lovely day you find me in today, Paddy, and quite uh, good spirits. Have you taken Dolly out, or is that coming up? I have. No, no, Dolly has been out, done her business, had a little scamper. We've avoided many, many other people. Good. Well, now, today's podcast is about people who lose their dogs at the end of their life, or suddenly their dogs die. And it's a traumatic event for a dog owner. And we're very pleased that our guest, who we recorded before the lockdown, is Rachel Fuller. Now, who is Rachel Fuller, Maria? Well, she's a musician. She's a wonderful musician and actually a lovely woman. She's married to Pete Townsend of The Who. And not that that means anything other than the fact that she was able to call up Paul McCartney, or rather her husband, Pete Townsend of The Who, was able to call up Paul McCartney and say, Ear mate, you don't fancy singing on this requiem me missus has done. Yes. So that's the only reason I mentioned that she's married to Pete Townsend is that she's very connected. And her podcast was charming. She, she has she brought one of her dogs that did a wee on my carpet. <laughs> she has written a nine-track requiem, and it's very interesting. And she says that if you are in grief about your dog, you listen to this requiem, and it's joyful in a way at the end, you know, but it's very sad at the beginning. And she lost two dogs within a few weeks, I seem to remember, she told us. Well, remembered, yes, Paddy, she did. And, you know, the music is lovely. It's lovely and it does make you cry. And, it, well, dogs make you cry because whenever you invest in a dog, you know that it, invariably you, you will outlive your dog. So you have to be prepared for your heart to be very badly broken. Mm, I mean, and the other way to perhaps to look at this is that the alternative to your dog going before you is that you go before it. And so on a choice of two options, it's probably better that the dog goes. Although I did once meet a man in, in Northumberland. I love the either or syndrome there. <laughs> well, unless you, you either me the, or the dog. Well, unless you go on the same day in a strange coincidence. But yes. I met a man in Northumberland who had had the breed of dog that I'd had. He'd had five border terriers in his life or four I think and I said well why don't you get another one he said because I can't face the thing dying again I've had four die on me I've decided it's too traumatic I don't want another one I was very sad it's an interesting philosophical question that Paddy because I think to not let love into your life because of the pain of loss is denying yourself the very essence of life really life is laughter and fun and also pain and yes of course a dog can be very special but there is infinite amount of love in your heart for another dog 
and those things can be repeated and I would highly recommend having lost I've only had two dogs and having lost one of them mm. I realized that it's not the same dog of course it's not it's a very different personality but you can have a lovely time and share love with that little four-legged friend. Yeah, I mean, I, I met a woman in the park who said that she, when she lost her dog, she felt it was disloyal to get another one, that the, the idea that they can just be replaced seems somehow to imply that it had no individuality, it had no animal spirit of its own. Yeah, but it's that's just... again anthropomorphizing because it's like saying, I, I must leave a, a decent amount of space before I remarry because my husband only died two months ago. You may feel a certain amount of you're not the dog that I want at the beginning, but very, very soon you will love a new dog in the same way that you loved your last dog. And it doesn't mean you're forgetting it or marginalizing its importance in any way, shape or form. It's just that's how dogs live. They don't yeah. live as long as we do. That's right. No, that's very well said. Although I know that when you lost your first dog, the Maltese Terrier. Very good. Well done. Called uh puppy yes you buried it was actually called goliath because it was very small yes and that joke got old very quickly so we went to puppy um yes i did uh lots of my friends said that's there's something wrong with that dog because it really didn't do very much jeremy langmead i think called it a pointless glove puppet (laughs) yes but yes i did i buried it in my garden and then i sold the house so someone out there will be digging one day it well, it's a, me it had a bay tree on top, and I sometimes pass the garden and see that the bay tree is flourishing. Oh, it's very moving. That's I mean, a nice thing, isn't it? It is a nice thing. I mean, and it's right. I mean, this is what we explore, really, with Rachel, because she was devastated, and she said, you know, it's worse for her than losing a human friend, and we explore that with her because it sounds so shocking. I mean, this dog pod, really... It's, 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 we dealt in the first series with, are you trying to replace humans in your life by getting a dog? And she makes it very plain that she's got love, lovely husband, lots of friends. But she makes the point that the, it was terribly, terribly sad. So she's done something constructive with it. We hope you like listening to her as much as we enjoyed meeting her. She's Rachel Fuller. She's talking to us about Animal Requiem. And she had a tiny little dog with her who weed on Maria's carpet. So a requiem is a traditional Latin mass for the dead which sounds a bit grim. But it's actually, it's like a celebration, it's like a memorial. So a lot of composers wrote them, Mozart, Mm. um, Foray, more recently John Rutter wrote one. And composers tend not to use the entire text because some of it is a bit sort of hellfire and damnation. And you had in mind a mourning, grieving human who'd lost an animal. I suppose so. I'd always wanted to write a requiem and I'd just finished writing a theatre musical which is in the works. And I wanted to do a choral work, so I thought I'll write a requiem. And I was walking through South Kensington one day and I don't know what triggered it. And I just thought I should write an animal requiem. How sad is the sadness of losing a pet? How deep have you been in the well of doom when you've lost an animal? I think it's heartbreaking. It honestly feels like my heart breaks and everybody else that I know who's lost a pet says the same thing and um, they have no idea of the impact it will have on them until it no, happens I think no absolutely and I thought about this quite a lot I think grief is grief so you can't differentiate you can't say well you have this sort of grief for a person and this sort of grief for a pet it's grief can I ask you to tell me of an animal you lost and what it did to you 
So Pete and I had six dogs because I would just rescue them and like bring them home tucked under my arm and, and Pete would go, what's that? And I'd say, oh, Nothing. it's just a very small dog. Anyway, we ended up with Nothing, six. Pete. We have to say it's Pete Townsend Nothing, from the hood. darling. Before, and um, before he never judged go. me, bless him. He was always... But is he as, how can I say this nicely, is he as mad as you about dogs? He's probably not as mad as I am. You know, he has real children, so, you know, I've never had any real ones. So I think a lot of maternal stuff goes in. But when I lost my first dog, Spud, I wasn't prepared for just how devastated I was going to feel. I lost my mum when I was 26. She died on a plane coming back from Bali. She got a deep vein thrombosis. Mm, yeah. So I was like eight months out of rehab, so I was quite vulnerable. And then I got this call and it was saying, you know, your mum's drop dead and that was devastating and this in a sense was worse I just wasn't prepared and you know those awful onesie things yes so I ha I wore one of those for like a week I couldn't get dressed and I was just wandering around the house and I remember saying to Pete I'm not ever going to get over this I'm never ever going to recover was he sympathetic to you oh yeah very very sweet so he, you, he, you didn't have him saying you've got to pull yourself together Rachel. no definitely not what breed was Spud Spud was a golden retriever and you just said that the death of Spud was worse than the death of your mother. I think we have to really like, drill deep into that statement. Yeah, I mean, the situation around the death of a person and an animal is different because a dog... Oh, she's making a wee! <laughs> oh, my God, it's tiny. Have you got a... <laughs> Worry, I'll sort it. We'll get them some water so they can wee more as well. I'm sorry, it was so tiny nice. Wee. Maria is Maria's leaving the room. My puppy just weed on a very nice rug. I mean, it's not that nice, the rug, is it? It's just an old biscuit-coloured thing. It's a good colour for a, for a dog wee. <laughs> it happened at a profound moment, but I think, obviously, you're no longer, like, weeping. So I was asking you, and Maria will come back into the room, but you were comparing the death of your mum That's with the death right. of Spud, and I, I, I just wonder if you really mean it. Yeah, I mean, people could take it the wrong way. Of course I'm not saying that you know, the death of my dog was worse than the death of my mother, you know. But both things triggered the most immense grief. And I suppose it's a different kind of love that you have with an animal to a family member or even a, a spouse. I suppose with a, with a dog, for sure, and maybe people feel the same way about their cats, it is more actually like a very close member of the family, you know. I mean... You see them every day. I think it's... I was, we, we've talked about this before, haven't we, Paddy? I think it's a bit like part of you because, in a sense, you've fashioned them. I don't want to make this sound like some sort of dictator, but you have fashioned them and you've grown up with these little creatures that then demonstrate their strange foibles and habits, as mm. do we. Mm. But it's sort of not in your own likeness, but it is the dog of you. Mm. And so it is part of you that goes. I think it really is. I mean, I feel like with each dog that we've lost, a little part of me has sort of gone with them. You know, and I don't, so I don't necessarily say I feel incomplete, but I've just been doing this thing where, you know, with iPhones, you just take photos all the time. And I, I ended up with like six and a half thousand photos on my phone. And I wanted to make a dog book of the original six that have all now passed. Yes. Um, so I went through and edited them all. And I pulled out all the photos of all the dogs over the last 20 years. And it was a very strange feeling because I felt equally joyful as I looked through all the photographs. But it was equally painful. Mm looking at them all and remembering them all. And, and I think, it's like I said, grief is grief in the same way that anger is anger. So there are lots of different things that can make you angry, but the anger that you feel is the same. And I think 
Grief is the same. Dark pot. Oh, who's at the door? <coughs> oh, it's the doorbell, Bob. It's the doorbell. Dark I want to ask you, and as somebody who is child-free myself, oh. I wonder if I would be as madly involved with my dog if I did have children. Well, yeah, I, just I, want some, to ask I you. sometimes wonder that too, because for sure it almost feels like maternal love goes into the dogs, you know. I mean, we don't know what maternal love is because we haven't experienced it. I but think it's probably fairly similar. It's yeah. sort of an unconditional... <clears throat> it's, a, it's about caring for something and love. wanting it to be happy yeah. and stay alive. It's and about keeping something alive, really. The thing really. is with dogs is that they don't have all the darker side of humanity, you know, so they don't... You know, my poodle Answer was back. a little bit Machiavellian, but, the, you know, on the whole, they don't, you know, piss you off. They don't hurt you. They don't let you down. They're loyal. They're unconditional. They don't care what mood you're in. They... You know, so you don't have any of that. And if it is grief, and grief is grief, then there are stages of grief, aren't there? And there are ten tracks on your requiem. Tell us about the first track we hear. Because I'm a pretentious artist. (laughs) (laughs) I really am. I sometimes like to do really pretentious artisty things. And right from the beginning when I was writing this, I felt a very strong instinct to involve St. Francis of Assisi, who was the patron saint of animals. animals. Mm-hmm. There's nothing pretentious about what no, you're saying. What I'm about to say is quite Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay, we're prepared. Yeah. Propension. Um, so I thought, <laughs> how can level. I start this album? And I wasn't really sure, and I thought, and it, as you know, in the Requiem, there's the prayer of St. Francis, which is actually quite a well-known prayer because we used to sing it at mm. school, make and me a channel of your peace. Um, and then also there's a psalm which supposedly St. Francis sang as he lay dying. So I included that. That is a bit morbid. But it's, again, quite uplifting towards the end. There is no place to hide you, my only place of Clever to be singing as you die. I know, right? That's the way I'll go. Me, Me too. too. Me too. <laughs> I hope someone's there to record it. Um, but I thought, I'm going to go to a CC on my own, so it's not like a girl's trip, because I'm always up for, like, nonsense. I thought, no, take it seriously. Go to a CC. So I flew to Rome, rented a car, drove to a CC, booked into a very nice hotel. And then I visited the cave where, in the later part of his life, St. Francis went into seclusion down this mountain in this tiny cave, which is where he lived out the rest of his life and passed away. I thought, I'm going to go and visit his cave, you know, and get, really get the vibe of it. So I'm sitting in this cave and I'm thinking, don't have any expectations. I'm always hoping that I'm going to see something, like a ghost or an angel's going to come down and say... You're hoping for something profound. Yeah, something profound and sort of slightly sixth sensey. And I always get absolutely sweet Fanny Adams, <laughs> right? So, But I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, right, you, and it's down in this valley. So you climb up the mountain and then you go off the beaten track and you come down this valley, this tiny little cave, and I'm sitting in here and I'm sort of thinking, oh, come on, give me some sort of sign. You know, I'm looking for some inspiration. I've come all the way from London, you know, and all of a sudden I heard it was like somebody had put a speaker inside this tiny cave, this extraordinarily loud bird song. And as I went outside, 
I could hear this huge chorus of birdsong, and he was very connected to birds, um, St. Francis. Francis of he preached a sermon to them once. And I thought, I must record this. So I recorded it, and that's what opens the Requiem, is the recording of the birdsong outside the cave of St. Francis of Assisi. It's quite Oh, that is the actual recording that you yeah. had? Why is that pretentious? That's no, it is a little bit pretentious, don't you think? I think it's portentous. Portentous, OK, I thank you. I think it's interesting that you go to places <laughs> expecting profundity yeah. and quite often you're disappointed by that. But also, that was actually <clears throat> very profound. It just wasn't what I expected. It begins with this tweeting noise, like a field. Is that where I lay out how sad I am? It, I, it begins, track one, for me. It's very melancholy, and I feel as though this is the place I'm allowed to just be very, very sad. But is it a journey, the album? I think so. The hope was to enter into it quite gently, not to necessarily make people sad, but just a sort of a gentle sort of energy around it. And then going through the prayer of St. Francis and the Kyrie Eleison, which is a little bit lighter, you eventually go into the Sanctus, which is very loud and sort of robust. And I feel at that point, hopefully, you are starting to feel sort of uplifted. And people said that they started to remember funny things that their animals did and, and you know, the remembering the love in a joyful way. Probably the main purpose of writing it subconsciously on my part was to help process my own grief. Yes. Because as I said, we got these six dogs quite close together. So they all got old together and then they started to pass away and we lost all of them in five years. That sort of layering of grief upon grief upon grief, it was incredibly cathartic for me to write this. It is a very contemplative piece and it's odd that we think, do we need something like this to make us remember our animals? But I think sometimes just to give yourself pause mm. and to be able to take time out I, is yeah. quite a and nice I, thing. I, Has I, it, have people given you lots of feedback about yeah, it? Yeah, I've had a lot of feedback and, and it really does seem to... All I wanted to do, I think, was to move people and just to provide maybe a bit of comfort and a nice half hour. I used to work in a crematorium when I was 17. Uh-huh. And I used to play the organ for the funerals in our local crematorium where I grew up in Essex. And what I could see is how important it is to have a formal... I don't want to use the word service because the Requiem isn't a religious thing. It's, it's a, a gathering, in a sense, or a moment in time where people come together to remember, and yes, of course, to grieve, because in the case of a funeral where you've lost somebody... It's the ritual, isn't it, that we but need? But it's also, it's, it always felt important to me for closure. It always felt very dignified, and people could say a proper goodbye. But you're sort of leaving your own role out because the right music, well chosen, is the moment when everyone's focused on the same thinking. Because I am going now to a lot of funerals, which by and large always annoy me, because... Why is that, Maddie? Because they go... <laughs> will you shut up? They go, they, go straight, they go straight for the celebration. I'm going here to celebrate Maria's life. And I'm thinking, no, I want, to, I want yeah, to be really, really now. sad at the beginning. Wishful I want thinking. some piece of music. This was Maria's favourite piece of music. Who can possibly forget her playing it on the recorder, aged five? And here we have Polly, who is five, playing London's Burning. On the desk on, hand. Yes. Recorder. <laughs> That's Overblowing. Mm. I want sadness. I don't want them playing Johnny Cash at the beginning of the damn thing. And what you've done is you've claimed in a Latin-esque style. Is that a real word? No. 
you have you have mocked up the sadness and you haven't gone for the we we've got to talk about blackbird but you've gone for the relishing the sadness and that's why it's cathartic for people because they are allowed to be sad and then common sense takes over we're not dead we're alive we're humans life goes on life goes on there are horrible things happening to humans i've finally got my my sense of perspective back and this moment helped me because it was sad for a bit and now i can get my life in order again well that's sort of what i would hope when people listen to it dark pot dolly where's bob We should start with your uh, factoid, which you gave me as I entered, about the significance of Rachel's permissions. Oh, a factoid about Blackbird. Yes, we just wondered, because of course it's a Beatles song, and we were just saying, how on earth do you get the rights? It's the first time it's ever been overdone. But we know that you're fantastically well-connected with lots of famous people. Is it a bit of a... Well, I'm not. I mean, honestly, we we don't go out much. But I wanted to include a track from an artist who was an animal lover. So the proceeds of the album will go to different animal charities, right? So I thought, what would really work well? What would fit in with the Requiem? You know, because I'm not just suddenly going to do the Requiem and then put a Metallica track on it called sort of Black Pony or something. would spoil the mood. And I don't know what made me think of Blackbird, but I did. And I thought, actually, I bet that would A, sound really nice with some orchestra on it and some choir. It fits the Requiem. And obviously, Paul is a huge animal welfare lover, as was Linda. Linda McCartney was indeed, um, So I said to Pete, will you write him a letter? And Paul wrote back straight away and he said, I'm on tour. I can't do anything right now but I'll let you use the original demo recording with all the files. And then my arranger, Martin Batchelor, did this beautiful arrangement of choir and strings on top of it. And we used Paul's original vocal and guitar. It was I love a, that. I love... Dear Paul, this Dear is Pete Paul. Townsend out of The Who. Can yeah. I use your Blackbird song? Well, obviously, song? him Thank and, you. Him and um, Paul have known each other for, for years. years. I mean, they used to, you know, Pete and his... Uh, first wife and kids used to go down to have lunch with Linda and Stella and Paul and you know when they just a, a sort of geeky question did the demo track contain him going all right at the beginning you know does no. it no no, no it and so Blackbird now the lyrics of it which we must talk about they really are very much about broken take your broken wings and you were just waiting for this moment to arise feels to me like a song about something rising up to freedom out of oppression I don't think it was actually about a blackbird. I think it was more to do with civil rights and, you know, a lot of animals are oppressed by us as a species, especially when you look at circus animals and animals in tourism. And so my understanding is that. And the moment you completed this work, you said that as a girl you worked in music. As an adult, you became a dog owner. You lost them. You became very sad. You wrote this requiem, very unusual. You completed it. And then at home, something happened to two of your dogs. Yeah, so we had lost four of our dogs and I started to write the Requiem. So I'd been working on it probably for about seven or eight months. And I finally completed it. And the following week, our last two dogs of that original six passed away in the same week. The Yorkshire Terrier Whistle, who we'd had, you know, for a long time, we knew she was ill. And I had this strange feeling, when I finish writing this Requiem, she's going to go. So she's sort of hanging around while I'm writing it. And yeah, the week after I finished the last track, um, she passed away. And then three days later, the poodle went as well. 
It is extraordinary, and I'm glad that this album has come out of it. But I want to be a bit more positive now about... Somebody talked to me the other day about what happens when you lose your dog, and my feeling is that the best therapy is to get another little companion to replace the one. You, it doesn't replace, but it yeah, fills I, another I hole. Agree. Because as you know, and as I know, there's an infinite amount of love that we have in our hearts. There is. And you still retain the love for the one that's gone, but then there's a new little animal that needs your attention, needs your love. And you I, I quickly... absolutely agree. I do. I absolutely agree. I mean, I don't think it would perhaps be the smartest thing to do, for example, if your dog died, to go and get one the next day. No, you need but grieving process. But I think process. fairly soon after... Husband, yes, maybe. Well, one. for sure. <laughs> yeah, but dog, at least a week. No, I mean... <laughs> After we lost two of our original six, we got an Irish terrier called Tuppence, who we still have. And then after we lost another two, we got another one. So the maths is quite complicated, but we currently have four. I mean, I have friends who just have one dog, and I always say to them, you have to get another one. Like, what? Well, you have a quite a privileged life so that we you can do, do that. Um, whereas actually, you know, it would be lovely just to hang out with dogs completely in the whole mm. time. But it's quite hard. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. it's hard, it's expensive. We do get help with the walking. You do? Yeah, we do. So I think we're near the end. It's been lovely to find you, that you've made time to come and meet us, because obviously it's very new, this territory, music for the animal lover. But I want to say to you that I think, you know, you may have helped people. I know you said it's pretentious, but I, I worry if you may be selling yourself short, because it's a space which is mocked. Plenty of humans will say, silly dog owner, You've got a dog. There's so much human misery. Will you please focus? Mm. And yet in that gap, there is still very sad people and you've, you've done something for them. I hope so. I mean, it's like I said earlier, it's just to provide a bit of comfort. Yes. And a nice half hour. You're a dog and, owner and an animal lover. And people that say that, oh, it's just a dog, they don't have dogs. You know, because someone said to me, do you think we underestimate the grief of losing an animal? And I said, people that have animals and have lost them don't underestimate it. But if you'd never owned a dog, how could you possibly know? Will you stage another concert? Obviously, if I get the album or if listeners of, of our millions of podcast listeners get the album, it's a solitary experience. But will it be performed again in public, do you think? Yes, and actually one of the things that I've done is I've made the score available. There's three arrangements. There's the full orchestral score, a small ensemble, and then just a piano vocal. Because I want people, churches, schools, theatres, all around the world, to be able to put on their own concert and people locally come, light a candle and have this sort of memorial. Well, the drilling started, which I think is a good sign. Can you imagine if this Rachel is not Fuller had arrived? I talk... don't even notice things like drilling. Well, believe me, I'm noticing this drilling. drilling. Yes, it so is. So I think it's time to say goodbye. Maria I want to is going play. to steal your dog. So. I want to play with the little dog. Out of, look, she's out of breath. She's been having so much fun with Dolly she the Peanut. Do you mean Maria or P Poppin? <laughs> I'm always Maria. out of breath. <laughs> it's not Poppin, it's Peanut. Is it? Oh, it's Peanut. No, that, well, no it's Dolly. No, this is her dog. How can you t I say to Rachel? Peanut. Peanut. No, that's Peanut. Is that that's this Dolly? This is Dolly, right? yes. Dolly and, and that's Peanut. That's Maria, they're panting. You were calling one dog Tuppence at one Poppin. point. Poppin. I called her Poppin. I'm trying to end this. Rachel Fuller, you're I a remarkable woman. End. Let it never end. I thought Rachel Fuller was such an adorable, if slightly bonkers, woman. I thought she really nailed it. The fact is that grief comes like a wave. You have to give up to it, whether it's human or animal. And she put this lovely music together, that amazing recording from St. Francis of Assisi's Cave, the real thing, all the way through to Paul McCartney. 
and I think it genuinely has helped thousands of people. If you look online, there's before the lockdown, there were several concerts held and people were encouraged to bring photos of their dogs. And you know that it defeats people losing an animal. So I think she's someone who has tried her very best to help and has succeeded. What a pleasure yeah. to meet her. That's the end of this dog pod. Uh, we were very lucky to hear Rachel Fuller and you can find all of her material and her music where you'd expect to find it online. <laughs>